Your goal is to create happy customers who then create other happy customers. Go! Congratulations! Here's what I've learned. The best of the best have got the problem. selling, going, going. God, so congratulations. Let's have a look at the facts. Watch your goal for the next six months. Okay, so let me just get into business. I asked a question this morning on Instagram, and I'm going to repeat the question. If a bat and ball together cost $1.10, okay? A bat and a ball cost $1.10. I want to ask you this question. If the difference between the bat and the ball is a dollar, what does that make the price of the ball? Think about it. So the bat and ball are a dollar ten, but the difference between the bat and the ball is a dollar. What does that make the price of just the ball? Daniel Hayes has come up with an answer that's not even remotely close, Danny. And by the way, it was a pleasure, pleasure visiting your office on uh, Wednesday or Thursday last week. What a great group of people. I've known this group of people. One of the things I like about Danny Hayes is he's brave enough, he's brave enough to take away any fake facade is the real deal. And you know that at the end of the day, I rate that as a high quality in people. People that are able to take their mask off. So the answer, of course, is um, get ready for it. The ball does not cost 10 cents. And that is the answer that 90% of people give me. The ball costs actually 5 cents. Because if there's a dollar difference between the ball and the bat, think about it. It should be... A dollar five for the bat and five cents for the ball. But the reason that everyone says 10 cents is this, because the way the question is framed, the way the question is framed is that people move into what is called the fast intuitive mode. So this is a very, don't, don't get too caught up about IQ here. Guys and girls, why this is important is in a great book by Daniel Kahneman called Fast Slow Thinking. I think that's the name of the book. He talks about the fact that we actually have two minds that are working. One is the fast intuitive. One is the one that turns around and actually just makes an assumption that gets something said. So you think to yourself, a dollar ten, right? If one thing if the difference is a dollar, what does it make the other thing? You think, oh, 10 cents. So think fast, slow. Thanks, Ed, for telling me what the name of the book is. But why this is important is because we as human beings have been built to actually not burn brain calories. So what we do is we come up with automatic assumptions all the time. This is an important subject for us that work in sales and business and in real estate because what we do is to actually preserve calories, to actually help us operate in a world that's very hectic. What we tend to do is to quickly resort to intuitive thinking, not actual thoughtful thinking. So 
I'll give you an example. Susan, if you came to an open for inspection, right? You came along to an open for inspection and I'm about to do an auction in Burwood or or Ashfield, right? So Susan comes to an open for inspection. We know that Susan looks Asian, correct? That's a fact. And what actually happens is I believe that I look at you, you're Asian, okay? The second thing is that you come to a property in Burwood or Ashfield, which is a very strong Asian area. So there's a possibility that I automatically move from the thoughtful mind to the fast, intuitive mind that says she's Chinese, her English is probably not good, and I would might turn around and actually treat her as someone that doesn't speak fluent English. Little do we know that in fact she is as talented, if not more talented, than Eminem. We don't know that, right? But what we do is she comes to the door and we say, hello, thanks for coming in. Um, are you looking to buy a home with all the money you have from China, right? In You get the drill on what I'm saying. We come to this assumption. Um, I share this with you because I want you to know that a lot of the times you are making intuitive decisions that don't normally have, you know, consequences of any major significance. But there are certain times where I would suggest you'd rather be more mindful, more thoughtful, and that you actually sit there and you use critical thinking to make the decision and the judgment. So that's the first thing I want to talk to you about. The second thing I want to talk to you about is this concept called peak and effect. So guys and girls, listen to me very carefully. And by the way, I am going to do my best to eliminate swearing on this rant or reduce swearing, not eliminate, reduce swearing. And I want to talk to you about the concept called the peak end effect. I love this water. We've really got to get this guy on, Gareth, Gareth that produces this water on the show one day. Um, anyway, cut a long story short. The peak end effect says this, that... Um, people will actually forget the whole duration of an event and will actually remember more the end of an event. So if you can hear me out here now, I'll give you an example. For those of you that are in real estate, think about this for a moment. You actually work a buyer. You service that buyer. You look after that buyer, you build trust with that buyer, you spend time and energy with that buyer, and then the buyer actually buys a property off you. You then work the sale through till settlement. There's a great relationship between you and the buyer, and the buyer loves you. However, what happens is on the last day before settlement, the buyer does the pre-settlement inspection. And what happens is you have a busy day and you're pissed off because you've got to rush to this pre-settlement inspection that's not dollar productive in your eyes because the sale's been done. And you go to this inspection and you only want to spend five or ten minutes at the inspection because you're in a hurry, so you hurry the buyer through. And what actually happens is you leave... 
And the buyer, even though you had a great relationship, they feel that that final inspection prior to settlement was not great. Guess what? The research shows that they will ignore the whole relationship and they will remember that final end experience. This is quite interesting because what this says is the following. That in fact, you should make that final experience a peak because this is the one that's going to be memorable. So let's have a look at a great strategy if you're a real estate agent. What do you do? It's very simple. You actually spend a lot of time at that final inspection and settlement, number one. Number two, what you do is you give a gift to the buyer. I don't know. You give them a plan and say, may this plan grow with you in your new home. This is a present. What else do you do? You say to them, spend an hour here. Take your time. Let's make sure everything's right. In addition to that, you know what? Take some photos. Maybe you want to start looking for, you know, some um, furniture or some paintings or some wallware that you want to actually suit this property. All I'm saying is that when this buyer moves into the new neighborhood, they basically become an ambassador for you because of that peak end experience. This is a very important rule because not only does it apply in that instance there where you've sold the property, what about this? What about this? What about, and I think Danny Hayes does this, when, when they do a listing presentation, after they leave the listing presentation, they put a gift in the letterbox because that is the end of the listing presentation, really. It's the latter stages and it has a profound effect on the judgment and due. Now, what does Danny leave as a present, Susan? I believe he leaves movie tickets and a handwritten note. A handwritten note and movie tickets that goes into the letter, letter, letterbox, letterbox, as he leaves the listing presentation. So the next morning or that afternoon, they're actually getting it. So guys and girls, understand this peak end experience. Any of you that have ever heard me speak live at a conference will know that I am very, very focused at finishing the end of my talk in a very strong, emotive way. Why? Because I know the total assessment of my talk will be highly weighted to the last two minutes of that conversation. So what you won't hear is me do a talk and say, okay, guys, girls, my time's up. That's me. Have a great day. That's a shit ending. What you'd rather hear me say is something like this. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for the biggest thing you can give me, the biggest currency you can give me, your attention. And may I hope you have a future much bigger than your past. And may you remember that difficult roads lead to beautiful destinations and 80% of winning is just beginning. And a pause. And the reason why is I know that the start's important, the middle can get messy, but the end is critical. This is very interesting because it actually makes you realise that this, you know, there's so much research that talks about the peak end experience that people that go on a holiday, right? You go on a two-week holiday. Let's assume that, you know, the first eight days of the holiday have got rain pouring down and it's not a great time. You're at a beachside location 
And what happens is the weather really clears up towards the second week, and then the last three or four days, you just have an incredible holiday. What actually happens is you make the assessment on that holiday. You make the assessment on that holiday based on that end experience. Why? And I'll tell you why. Because what's actually happening is the following. That you actually have two selves. Listen to me very carefully. You have what is called the remembering self and you have the experiencing self. And what happens is the remembering self is very, very bad at really remembering what the real experience was like. And what it does is actually weights its experience towards the end. But if you actually looked at the total experience and you averaged it out, and we're going to talk a little bit about averaging it out because I actually raised to Federico Fragamatos a question. He's uh, a great real estate agent in Petersham. And I asked him this question. I'm going to ask you this question. And that is this. If you are the owner of a real estate business and you had to send an agent out to get a listing, one of your agents has got an 80% strike rate and one of your agents has a 50% strike rate. Think about it. And you're going to send them out to a listing presentation. And it was an important listing presentation. Who would you send? Would you send the one that's got the 80% strike rate? Or would you send the one that's got a 50% strike rate? But here's the clicker. The person with the 50% strike rate has listed three properties in the last 24 hours, has got 100% in his last three listing presentations. Who would you pick? Would you pick the person with the 80% strike rate or would you pick the person that has just listed three properties and is on fire? Who would you pick? And I'd love to get you some answers and I'd love you on Insta, YouTube, Facebook to give me some answers. Who would you pick? Would you pick the person that is on fire with the three out of three or would you pick the person that's got an 80% strike rate? Who would you pick, Susan? The person with the highest overall average strike rate. Correct. So you would actually pick the person, Sanjay. Well, there we go. Most people are saying the person on fire, right? You would pick the person with the 80% strike rate. That's who you'd pick because you would revert back to the baseline. And the reason why is this, that the baseline is in fact a far more true indicator of success. And, um, you know, like, think about it. You know the success rate of opening up a business, Susan, is 80% failure in five years. They're the, they're, that's the success rate of a business, 80% failure rate. Yet people keep opening up businesses. Why do they do that? Do they not know the research? Do they not know that 80% of businesses fail within five years? Or is it that this person thinks, hey, you know what? Let's assume it's it's a restaurant. What do they think? They think, no, nah, but I'm a really great chef. I'm a much better chef. I will actually cook food far better than those other people that have opened up a restaurant. Here's the deal. Guess what? So did those four other people. Gang, very important that you understand how the brain works. You've got the remembering self and the experiencing self. And at the end of the day, I'm going to share with you another piece of data that's really interesting, and it's called the confirmation bias. 
Confirmation bias is when you have an idea in your head, and that idea in your head is that, um, for instance, you have an idea in your head, and uh, let me just think of one, confirmation bias. Oh, go on, Susan. We actually shared one on the Daily Inspiration, yep. where there was, you know, um, chi mark, people who can do karate by chi, they can actually, they believe that they can actually... Um, roll people over with... Okay, so Susan's giving me an example of one with chi. Can you give us a short version of it, Susan? Or is it going to take a long? Because you're not even in front of the microphone and there's all that. Can I just give you an example of a confirmation bias? A confirmation bias. Okay. So what actually happens is that you've got a confirmation bias and it says that, you know, um, all all young kids, right, that are on their people... that drive hot cars are crazy drivers and are hoons. So what actually happens is that one goes down the road and what happens is you focus on that one, right? You focus on that one. Or all of a sudden someone says to you, another example is someone says to you, Tom, geez, I've noticed that there's a lot of white Porsche McCann's around. So what actually happens is that your mind is focused on looking at white Porsche McCann's, right? And all of a sudden, you see those. So, um, gang, that's the story there on confirmation bias. But another term I'd like to talk to you about is priming. Priming is a really interesting one because priming affects your decision. Now, priming is used a lot in casinos. What you'll notice at a casino, what they'll have is the sound of money going on in the background, and you'll notice even poker machines have this sound like ding, 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 money's being made. This, of course, is the concept of priming. In fact, in research done in wine shops, if they have French music going on in the background and someone walks in, they are more inclined to buy French wine. And if they've got German music going on in the background, they're more inclined to actually buy German wine. What happens is this, that our senses have got trigger points and we are primed to actually make decisions on that effect. Which brings me to my next point, which is called the halo effect. And the halo effect says that what we'll do, what we'll do is get ready for this. We'll be influenced on the content of what people say based on the following, how attractive they are or whether we like that person. So what we're saying is this. If someone likes you, or if you're highly attractive, what comes out of your mouth has a higher likelihood of being believed by that person, right? So why is this important? I think it basically says to you, be the best version of the way that you can look. And why else? Be the person that actually's got the ability to get some people to like them. And we know that one of the ways that you can get people to like them is to mirror them. And one of the other ways that you can get people to like them is to actually let them talk. And one of the other ways that you can get people to like them is to look them in the eyes. And another way to get people to like them is to actually take your mask off and show your vulnerability. And what we actually see is that people are more likely to believe the message that you give because of this halo effect. That once you have this halo effect, people are more inclined to believe you. Thank you, Nick Riggis, as a reminder to drink the water. Mike Nichol, tell Susan if she hasn't bought yet some beautiful property. So Mike Nichol's doing the right thing. He's trying to sell you real estate on the Sunday night rant. 
Um, so, so far, we've gone off and we've talked about a couple of concepts. We've talked about the bat and ball, the fact that your brain has got a part of it that actually thinks fast and intuitively because it's trying to protect you. It doesn't want to burn too many calories. And there's also a part in your mind that is slow and thoughtful. We also talked about the peak end experience and why it's critical for you to have a really good end experience with a client because their memory will remember that more than the whole duration of your relationship. In addition to that, we also talked about the importance of you understanding confirmation bias. Basically, you have a belief and then what happens is you're out there searching for things that support that belief, give it legs to that belief. Then we've got what we call the priming, that effect that you get your brain primed for information and corporations are doing this all the time. They sometimes have nice hot bread smelling in a bread shop, right? Um, um, I use the casino example. Um, now, the next thing I want to talk about before we finish off here is this, the hindsight bias. The hindsight bias is an interesting one, and that basically says that um, everyone's got 2020 vision after the event, that people turn around and say, oh, that was obvious, but it wasn't that obvious uh, prior to the event. Guys and girls, I want to let you know that today I fully acknowledge most of what I talked about has come from the author Daniel Kahneman, who is the author of the book uh, Think, Think, Fast, Think, Slow. Think Fast, Think Slow, something along the lines there. But he's also the person that came up with the research that people feel more pain losing a dollar than pleasure winning a dollar. And that's why I've always used that script whenever I'm talking about vendor paid advertising. Mr. and Mrs. Vendor, what's more important to you? The risk of overmarketing by a few thousand dollars or the risk of underselling by $50,000? And at that point, guys and girls, I want to thank you and I also want to give a very big plug. What are you looking at, Susan? Should we talk about the hindsight bias? The hindsight bias, in summary, Susan, is basically what we're saying is don't ever, ever turn around and say to someone, how could you be so stupid? Couldn't you see that? After the event, it's happened because I actually think to myself, what you've got to do is understand that you probably weren't thinking that prior to the event happening either, right? So it's a lot easier. For instance, you're driving over a pothole and someone says, didn't you see the bloody pothole? No, I didn't see it because if I did see it, I would have gone over the pothole. And on this point, guys and girls, before I leave here today, I want to let you know that there's one of the things that keeps coming up and I want to talk about it very briefly is that real estate agents at the moment are being emotionally punched in the face. I have real estate agents talking to me on a regular basis, sometimes two times a day, People are telling me that they are absolutely... Thank you, Admit, for your great feedback. Thank you. It was great seeing you at the Canada Bay Club. And you're going to see more real estate gym events live for real estate gym members only in 2019. But what I was getting at is, Susan, a lot of real estate agents are telling me at the moment the following. They're saying to me that they are getting emotionally drained giving owners bad news. They're saying to me that they're really, really struggling at having to keep telling owners, hey, I've only got bad feedback on your property. Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Vendor, we're not going to sell the property at the price that you want. Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Vendor, we don't have anyone. And they're saying to me that they're feeling really guilty that they can't protect the owner's price. Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You're not there to rescue the vendor's price. You're there to facilitate a transaction.
And to the real estate agent that on Friday said to me that they feel really guilty that their owner has to actually drop $50,000 and they would have got $50,000 more six, eight months ago and that's why they don't want to actually sort of be a little bit, you know, direct and explain to them that they're not going to get their price. I say to you this, do you understand your job is not there to actually be the rescuer? Your job there is to actually move ahead facilitate a process and actually go in and inform the people the news of their property. And some of the news is going to be good and some of the news is not going to be good. It's called the truth. And here's the deal. You know what? These people have also made $100,000, $300,000 on their capital gain. Do you understand that? Do you remember that? Are you forgetting that? They are already ahead. All they're doing is having a slight correction on something that's absolutely gone crazy. So if you're sitting there, don't feel sorry for them because your job is not to feel sorry for them. Your job is to be a professional. And what a professional does is go out to the marketplace, market real estate, get intel, which is information you weren't privy to at the time of listing a property. You didn't have that information. Subsequently, you do have that information and that you convey that information and you are not the the, the, the source of the information. You're the, the person that is the messenger of the information and you must tell them, don't shoot the messenger. So guys and girls, get on with it. Stop trying to be liked by every single person every day because I'm telling you, if you don't get on with your job and do it properly, at the end of it, the property's going to expire, it's going to be sold by another agent and they're going to say that you're a shit agent because you couldn't sell their property. So get on to it and understand real estate is a process game. It's about bums on seats. And at the moment... Listen to me very carefully. If you don't have buyer traffic and engagement on one of your listings, what you need to do is go in and have one of these critical, crucial, strong conversations that is evidence-based, and you sit there and you explain to people that you're there, as Mario says from Canberra, you are there to solve the problem and get it solved. So stop selling and start solving. And what else am I saying you should do? Sit down with them, talk to the owners, eyeball to eyeball and say, listen, I've got great news for you. You're not going to get your price. You're going to get $50,000 less. But here's the good news. The silver lining. The one you're going to buy, you're saving $100,000. You've made $50,000, in fact, doing business this time than doing it two years ago. This is what this marketplace wants, guys and girls. Do you understand that this marketplace... Sorry, guys. Do you understand that this marketplace right now is looking for people that have got the ability to be a deal maker? They're not looking for order takers. They're not looking for glitchy, needy, desperate salespeople sort of sitting there saying, hey, I don't know what to do. They're not looking for a defeated person. They're looking for a person that is solution focused. Guys and girls, I've said my stuff. May you have a great we're, week. We're hiring someone. We're hiring someone. Okay, guys and girls, please, I am looking for a videographer. I want someone that's young. I want someone... Young at heart. Young at heart. Young at heart. I want someone that's energetic. I want someone that is going to be with me pretty much all the time. This is an incredible personal development opportunity because what I'm going to do is be introducing them 
to a lot of people, but in addition to that, I'm going to make sure that I'm working with them one-on-one, coaching them throughout their own personal development. But more importantly, I'm looking for someone that's energetic. I don't want someone that's an absolute beginner. I want a videographer and I'm paying a very good salary. You're not going to be working for peanuts. So guys and girls, if you know of a good videographer that wants the security of having a full-time role, of a regular income, to join me and Susan, what I'd like you to do is send an email. Nick Cooney says he'll do it. (laughs) To send an email to info at tompanos.com.au info at tompanos.com.au and put in the subject box videographer role. Guys and girls, this is going to mean that I'm going to be better able to provide content in addition to everything that we're doing, but the time has come for me to actually have someone with us full time. I want to thank you so much. Please spread the word. Press that share button because I do do a a bit of an audit on who shares the videos and who doesn't. So I'd love you to press that share button. And I'm going to try and make sure that we finish on a very positive end. So what can I say, Susan? This is what I'll say. Guys and girls, never forget. Don't worry about the 20th step. Don't worry about the 10th step. Worry about the first step. Be a do-it-now person, and 80% of winning is beginning. Just get started on whatever you want to do. Press that share button. That's your step one. Thanks for tuning in, guys and girls. You can join me on Facebook for the live Sunday Night Rant every week at 8.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. And if you're in real estate, just Google Tom Panos, and you'll find a heap of resources and interviews where million-dollar agents share their strategies. See you next week. Let's have a look at the facts. What's your goal for the next?